Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. So Jimmy, where we're picking up today makes me think about an experience. This is like, you know, 19 years ago, my wife is pregnant with our first child. We were camping with another couple and we went on this hike. Okay. Now the guy that in this other couple that was on the hike with us was a surveyor. Now, if you were hiking (laughs) with a surveyor, how would you approach being on the trail as far as knowing where you are and where you're headed? Would you be pretty relaxed? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be chill and I'd be probably incorrectly defaulting to just walking wherever he wants to go and not asking many questions. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I'm just checked out, relaxed. So we're walking along and then I'm asking, like start asking questions about where we are, where we're headed. He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, wait. So I assumed he was guiding. I assumed he was paying attention. I assumed for him, it would be like intuitive habit without even trying. And, and my poor wife pregnant with our first child, we hiked miles because we got off track lost and had to get back to the campsite. And if that's not a metaphor for some sales meetings I've been in. (laughs) The meandering meeting. Or a series of meetings. Yeah. And that's why, I, you know, you, you guys listening to this show here have heard me say this, and it, it's why I believe in it. It's why I'm here co-hosting this with you. It's so powerful because with this model and what we're going to cover today, you can be that guide to know where you are and where you're headed. And it comes down to the questions, but not only the questions, but it's asking the questions what? It's the, you ask the, the right people, the right questions at the right time. Mm. That is the objective. Yeah. Mm. Right. So if you were, if you were on a hike and you uh, understood the four phases of an appropriate hike, right, then you would have known what you should have accomplished in phase one and you would have been able to assess, hey, are we there yet or not? where you should have been in phase two, where you should have been in phase three. And each step, you would have known exactly what the goal was, what the what the measure of success would have been. You would have been able to ask, why are we there or why aren't we there? What, what do we have to do to get there? And you would have been able to manage that hike along with the expert. My wife would have liked that. And my pride would have liked that. <laughs> that would have been really good. So where we, I know, left off last time, we left them hanging. And I'm, I'm so excited to get into this gold because I think people at this point, even if it's your first episode you're listening in or you've been journeying along, if you're here and you want to grow and you want to learn, you know the power of a question over a quick forced 
maybe incorrect answer. And so as we dive into this process and really appreciate the value of the question, what are the four questions that we're going to be walking them through? Right, right, right. So, well, so right people, right question at right time. I just create context. Last time we spoke about this idea of identifying the buying center in the context of the WINS model. Wants, impacts, needs, solutions. What's beautiful about the WINS model is it represents four stages of a buying cycle. And they also dictate, therefore, the four stages of an appropriate sales cycle. So we are selling the way our customers buy. That's first. Uh, Second, last week we talked about, or last session we talked about this idea that the wants buyer, the first stage, is the decision maker because they answer the question, why change? Second uh, type of buyer is the economic approver. And they are the impacts buyer. Why? Because they help Uh, the buying center understand whether or not this is an impact or the change will have an impact that's too great to ignore. So they are responsible for the business case. The needs buyer, uh, those are the users and adopters. They're at the third stage. And then of course, there's an evaluator at the solution stage. And of course, we want the evaluator to be the decision maker. Oftentimes we're contacted by an evaluator who who is very far from making a decision. We have to figure out who that person is. So what's wonderful about this is that everything lines up. Everything is aligned. This, the steps of your sales cycle are aligned with the steps of this universal buying cycle. And we now know that the fastest path to cash is to, is to engage either the buyers or their influencers at each of these stages. So we want to engage the decision maker first or influencers around the decision maker first. Um, but what we but it, the engagement has to include questions that we would ask the decision maker. So if I'm talking to if I'm a, if I sell software and somebody reaches out to me because they did a search online for let's say I sell CRM software CRM vendors and they contacted me because my name was on a list. That's an evaluator reaching out to put together an RFP. Am I going to ask that evaluator solution-centric questions before I even understand their problem? No way. Not if you're following the WINS model. What you're going to do is you're going to ask them the questions you would ask the decision maker. Tell me, what have you attempt? What, what are you trying to achieve? What was the trigger? Um, what is leading you to change? What's the big objective and goal? And the expectation is that person will likely not be able to answer those questions, which is great because now it now it forces a decision. How do I get the answers to these important questions? Yeah. So this is making me think of, and this will be just a quick side thing for an exception, and then we pursue this path again. But I think this is an exception that comes up sometimes because I've had people ask me about it. You know, what do you do when you, you have that salesperson who is pushing hard to get to the highest decision maker and the person they're interacting with says, you don't need them. I am the decision maker. Mm-hmm. And, and that salesperson keeps pushing higher in the org chart. Um, what do you tell that salesperson? Just, hey, you're being stupid. Stop doing that. 
<laughs> as the buyer, what do you do? Well, if you're if you're the buyer and you want to avoid either you know either manipulate the salesperson or into believing that you are the buyer, or if you are truly the the decision maker and uh, and they're barking up the wrong tree, um, you know, the easiest thing you can do is simply answer the question asked. You know, so what what has what is the reason for change? Why change? What are the what are you trying to achieve for the organization or for your division or for your department that um, that's missing that that uh, you don't have? You know, because that buyer wants to wants to understand the I'm sorry that seller wants to understand the ultimate goal that you're trying to trying to achieve. Why? Because they have to understand the problem that you're trying to solve, so they so they can confirm that what you're looking to buy is actually the right thing. And whether or not they're the right company to to deliver that to you, so many buyers just want to create a transaction, and a, and um, thoughtful, effective sellers don't want to create a transaction. They want to position both the buyer and seller for uh, a successful buying decision, which is something that is, is it's a goal that's beyond that transactional event. Yeah. Um, so if, yeah. So so Chris, if you're being if you're trying to move that buyer in the, in in a or the seller in a direction that you want them to go, just answer the question. And if you can't answer the question as a buyer, like if you don't know the big picture, then you have to be thinking to yourself, "Shit, I might not be ready to buy. Yeah. I might not really have a good sense of what I want for this organization." Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think for me, what makes this question super relevant is it the the direct pro level, you know, moving from amateur to pro approach is to go, well, you, you, you want to sell to the top, right? Uh, that's where you go. You sell to the top. But the master approach is to say, no, you use the wins model to walk through these four to make sure you have all four buyers involved. And if all four buyers is the same person, don't fight against what's happening. Um, because there are people that I've seen kind of take this short-sighted approach. They're like, well, I'm not talking to a C-suite officer or the CEO. What's the, you know, well, how do you even know? You haven't dug in and asked questions and you've limited yourself. I mean, and this is something that in coaching owners and leaders of sales staff, I've specifically had them complain to me. Like, you know, ah, I got this salesperson and they're like, I got to meet with your CEO. And, and they're like, well, I'm the decision maker. I'm the buyer. Just talk to me. <laughs> but it's that, you know, distinction right. that's so false. They think they're doing a bad job if they're not going as high as they can. It doesn't right. matter. So, so it's a, that is a, we've described as a kind of a mindless approach to selling. I'm going to follow this process no matter what, but I don't know why I'm following this process. And I'm not asking you to name names, but, uh, but really I'm not. But how much sales training is a mindless process? Yeah, good point. Dude, dude good it's point. so much. They're the bad guys, right? They're the ones that are giving it a bad name. They're the ones that are reducing out the approach of a model. If you're listening in for the first time, go back and listen to the other episodes because this model sinks in. And as you understand it more and as you live it more, it becomes a part of you that's where the the transformation takes place. If it's something simple and rote that isn't mapping onto your life in a customized way, it's not effective transformation. It's just checking a box. And checking a box is going to get you 
to a ceiling at some point. That's the pro level. You're going to hit that. You're not going to get to the mastery. Right. That's really, really well said. Um, and, you know, the wins model is deeper than simply the four bit, the four whys or the four big questions. Um, at each stage, we want to go deep into the gates that are important for us to identify to make sure that we're following our fastest path to cash. But the idea here, and it was a really great observation on your part, Chris, is that you know we're asking questions because we're mapping our sales process. The ultimate why is we're mapping our sales process to the universal buying cycle. And the ultimate goal is a successful buying decision. So um, we're leading the buyer through an appropriate path to that successful buying decision. So no matter who I'm talking to, Chris, I'm going to ask them first things first. I'm going to ask them the questions that I would normally ask the decision maker. What is the big objective? What are you mm -hmm. trying to achieve? Now, if they can answer it, and let's say that I know they're not at the level that they need to be to approve this deal, right? But they can answer the question. That makes me understand as a salesperson that they that they probably have engaged in a thoughtful process. And now, but now what I can do is I can take their answer and I can gauge every other every other answer that I get subsequently against that previous answer, that big objective. What is the goal? And in my mind, I want to know: is the goal big enough? Are we are we paying attention to the proper triggers that have made that goal important to the organization? Uh, and then, of course, I want to go deeper and I'm going to ask questions like, okay, great. So who else in the organization is this goal important to? Great question. Why? Because it's now going to give me a better sense of who might be involved in the buying center. Who else is this decision going to be important to? Or who else will this be affected by? But what I'm not doing is I'm not forcing you to memorize the question. What you, what you're what we're doing here is we are we understand we're being guided by the why behind the question. We have to understand the overall objective of this um, of this decision making process, and we have to understand who's going to be involved or who's going to be influencing the decision maker in the course of this process. Very basic could, stuff. Yeah, well, because you could list out a hundred questions right now. I mean, I, I have no doubt though you're you know, you're living this so deeply. It's boom, 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 boom. I've seen you do it so many times. And uh, that's the powerful transformation that can happen for people that are listening. Like, oh, now I have four benchmarks I can guide this through. And if we get to a point that we're two and a half, three and a half, four and a half miles into this trail and we figure out we're off, we can turn around and go back before our pregnant wife gets <laughs> lost. Right, right. And so you know, let's extend the analogy a little bit. I mean, think about having to come back and report to your manager, you know, to give your manager an idea of what was accomplished in the meeting. Mm. So you're going to you're going to review the the meeting and you're going to sit with your manager and think about okay, where are you in the process? So with the wins model and understanding the questions that we want to ask at each stage, and each of those questions represents a gate in the process. If we understand what our fastest path to cash is and we are willing to start at the beginning, we now have the agenda for the first meeting, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to ask the, the right people the right questions at the right time. So the first meeting, I'm going to focus on those 
decision maker type questions to really understand where the organization is in their in this um, in this um, buying activity. Is it real? Isn't it? Has it been well thought out? Isn't it? Is it qualified? Isn't it? Um, is there is it something strategic or is it not? Is it tactical? Um, are the right people involved? And if they're not, I'm going to make sure they are. And so I'm going to slow their buying cycle down. Make sure I get the appropriate uh, answers to the appropriate questions when I want them. And then therefore I can gauge where they are in the process and I can come back to my manager and say, look, here's what I've discovered. What do you think? And what's really cool is if I'm following a process that my manager is following, then we don't have to interpret. We don't have to um, kind of have this exploratory conversation every time to really figure out what the hell's going on. We're both following the same process. We're both expecting the, the answers to the same questions. And we both know by virtue of how far I got in that in that meeting, where we are in the sales process. Mm -hmm. I also know who should come into that meeting or who should be invited to the meeting with the client because I know the questions I'm going to be asking. Mm -hmm. So going back to the analogy of an evaluator reaching out to me because I'm selling CRM software, the evaluator says, hey, you know, are you going to be a qualified? They want to know if I'm going to be a qualified uh, vendor to bid for this project. We go we'll go through the, the normal requisite stuff to get on the list, but then... I'm going to make sure that the next meeting is with the decision maker or a group of people who represent the decision maker to make sure that they can answer the questions that I have to have answered to make sure this is a qualified opportunity. Yeah. So and a person all the way back to the beginning. All the way, yeah. So a person that would apply an overly simplistic understanding to this that would say, okay, so you're saying I need to have four meetings. That's the right questions to the right people at the right time. You would say. You have as many meetings as you need. Hmm. Oftentimes a lot of people say, look, Jimmy, what if I, you know, what if I have 50 questions only a half hour <laughs> to meet with somebody? You know, my suggestion to them is that you want to run that meeting as if you've got, a th if you've got three hours, hmm. right? You never want to let the client and the client situation force you to skip steps or force you to skip questions or force you to, into a decision to pursue or not pursue an account without all the information that you need. I Run think, that half hour meeting as if you've got three hours. I think I want to, if I could put a big neon sign around that. I mean, you know, this is a weird analogy to use to this, but it's almost like when you're learning to defend yourself, you know, you don't punch somebody, you punch through them. Right. We learned that in karate when I was a kid. Uh, my brother is so glad I learned that, too. No, <laughs> you, 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 but but like that's the thing. And and I have a good intuitive sense of, OK, I've got an hour where do I want to get this meeting to by then and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you lead thousands of meetings over a couple of decades of just leading, you get to a place that you have a feel for that. And as you've brought that into my heart and mind, man, I mean, and I'm hearing it again in a fresh way for the first time. In fact, people can't see this because they're listening, uh, if, if they're listening, but I'm writing something down, but to, to trigger my brain uh, for something later today, to lead that meeting like there's three hours. Because here's the thing, when have you ever been in a meeting with somebody who's inviting you into a process of change and you go, gosh, they ask so many questions. I wish they would have moved faster, right? 
<laughs> I mean, I've never felt that. If they're serious, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you can tell they know what they're doing and the questions have a progression to them and they're taking you somewhere and they're leading you to those questions. And that's such a counterintuitive approach where people feel like, okay, I've got 30 minutes with them. I got to show them how much that my stuff is together. I'm going to lead this well. I'm going to ask great questions. And they rush. And you're saying, slow down. Lead it like you got three hours. Yeah. And, and am I saying that everybody's going to let you slow down? No. Uh, but what I am saying is that using the wins methodology, you now know your fastest path to cash. You now know exactly what's required to call an opportunity qualified. So you now can make a decision about what you do with uh, that's, that's accurate. For example, we were contacted by a company who we had in a relationship with a couple of years ago, and they wanted us to create a proposal uh, without all the requisite information. And the evaluator, you know, who is not a leader, not a decision maker, said, well, why can't you just put this proposal together? It's going to take you less than an hour. It's not a huge investment in your time. And it would advance the process. And we said, we just can't do that. So I had the opportunity to make a decision right there, whether or not I could confidently no bid that opportunity or confidently say to the client, look, I'd be happy to put a proposal together if you are willing to push back your due date by a week and give me and my partner uh, an extra couple hours uh, of meeting time so we could have we could ask the question we need to give you the proposal that you really do need so that you're not wasting your time. Because I said to her, you know, what good is it to have a half-assed proposal if your goal is to make anything more than a half-assed decision? Hmm. Now, this was reflective of the fact that if she presented her leadership with a incomplete proposal, it would reflect poorly on her, much mm. more so than on us, because she's mm. the one that gave us the direction. So for her, the desire was not to disappoint or show up with a poor product for her leadership team. Mm. So she gave us the chance to, uh, she, she adjusted her requirements and gave us a chance to do it the right way. So you know, there's lots of ways that we can leverage this methodology, but we're showing up. You know, the overriding idea here is that we're practicing sales as a leadership competency. We can show up as a leader, a true partner for the buyer. Beautiful. And if we're a partner, we're not rushing, but if they're ready to move faster, we move faster without skipping over steps. Dynamite. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, that's the mistake I've made before. I mean, on smaller deals where people pull out the credit card and they're like, I'm ready to buy right now. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's cool. Let's just make sure this and this is in place and that we're aligned on this where earlier Chris would be like, okay, well, I don't need to do anything else. This is done. And I'm skipping over some of these steps. And so it's our job. It's kind of like if we're on the hiking analogy to extend that further, you know, and we, we walk for half a mile, yet my pregnant wife wants to walk two miles. She doesn't want to walk 10. And, you know, we get a little bit in and I'm rushing something or they're rushing something. It's like, no, this is the experience we wanted. This is the process. We want to make sure we're aligned, that we're, we're, yeah. we know the goal that we're going into. This is what you want to accomplish. This is how we're going to get it done. Because people that are ready to buy and they're eager and they're excited and they pull out the credit card. What happens, and this is, I've seen this a couple of times, and I like your wording on it, 
every shadow of compromise creates this problem. When you skip through this process, then you get into the engagement and things go off the rails because there wasn't an agreement on what we were trying to accomplish. Right, right, right. right. I was consulting with a client the other day uh, about sales and selling and the client's leader wanted the sales process to be transactional. And I said, you know, it's, it would be great to have a transactional sales process if you were selling a transactional solution, but the solution was 90% service-based, which required strong alignment and, and even testing in advance of being able to deliver what the transactional salesperson was promising. So there's no alignment between how they were, how they wanted to sell and actually what the client's experience was. So to your point, Chris, if we're too transactional or we decide to skip steps and take that dollar when we can, we're not only creating a, uh, a bad um, deal, we're going to create several bad relationships over and over again. We're going to have poor retention. We're going to have poor brand experience, poor customer experience, and it's just going to be a, you know, a, a, a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So somebody listening to this episode goes, okay, Give me the the direct takeaway, right questions, the right people at the right time. What yeah. do you use as a shorthand to check yourself and walk through that? Yeah. So let's, I'll do two things. I'll give you, uh, on our website, there's a tools section with free tools. And actually with every f- tool comes a 30 minute free consultation. Um, we are giving back. One of those tools is called the Pipeline Confidence Score. Every question that we recommend at a minimum that you ask is there in the Pipeline Confidence Score. And what's great about that tool is that you can actually evaluate how well you're executing today. And you can actually get a score for the predictability of your current pipeline, your current process. So check that out. It's the Pipeline Confidence Score. Everything is there. There's probably more than uh, 20 or 30, uh, probably somewhere around 20 or 30 questions there that um, you can evaluate yourself based on. I, I took th- it and I was the best person <laughs> you've ever seen take it, right? Well, man, be, behind me, behind me, because I know all the answers because I built the assessment. <laughs> well, so think about this. I mean, to keep at a high level, let's, let's keep it high level. Um, every salesperson has a sense of what's required to close a deal. Let's um, let's just give you the high level um, steps first. When you're when you're having the when you're talking to the wants buyer or the decision maker, what are the most predictive questions you can ask, uh, and the and the ones that you must ask up front. First off, is what are the goals? Right? What are the the what's the big vision you want to achieve? And typically, goals or visions. Uh, for organizations can be categorized into the four groups, right? They can be categorized by growth, improvement, um, protection. What do I want to protect? Or what do I want to save or cut? So you've got this goal conversation. You could be thinking ahead of time, which category or which number of multiple categories does it fall into? Then what members of the of the organization is this change going to be important to, or this goal that you want to achieve going to be important to? This helps you identify members of the buying center. And then the third thing here is you want to identify threats. What issues could threaten your ability to win this opportunity? 
And so those are three big categories that you want to hand, you want to handle right away because they're the most important because once you get past those three, now you can start talking about um, others that will, that will continue to advance the conversation. But if you don't talk about these three first, you run the risk of uh, walking down a buying cycle that may never close, right? Mm. 60% of a B2B sales pipeline is filled with deals that end in no decision. You don't want to be wasting 60% of your sales time or seven months in a selling year on crap. Oh, oh yeah. Wasting time. So what else getting it bigger, who else, yeah. and then what threats, you know, what else, who else, what threats, uh, I, I don't, and you may be going to hit this point. If not, I'll, I'll throw it out there and you can tell me it fits later. Something I've seen you do that's very effective that I've just adopted and it's stuck with me. And when I'm in this multi-stage process, kicking off a meeting, you know, you get past like catching up, hanging out for a second and go, okay, hey, has right. anything changed since we last met? Right on, right on. And man, that's powerful because right it happens. And so uh, that's a little like, in-between meeting question that I think is really, really effective. <laughs> right. right. I mean, we have them all the time. So if you've got, if you've got three hours, if you're going to handle a half hour conversation, like you've got three hours, you're going to have lots of those, those situations. Um, and there's lots of things that we can talk about too, Chris, in the context of uh, creating uh, anticipation and momentum. What, what allows you to set a meeting and then set a second, third, fourth meeting is not giving people answers. It's, creating more questions. You want to create anticipation because anticipation builds momentum for that next meeting. So one of the reasons you want to move patiently with the appropriate amount of patience through your sales meetings is because um, you're not going to be giving them the answers that they want. You're going to actually be, be creating more questions that are relevant and important and they can see the value of, which means that next meeting is going to be really critical to them. So you're creating a situation where they are pulling you through their buying cycle versus you forcing your way through your sales cycle. Mm. Well, and I, you know, that's, can you say that phrase again? I love that rather than forcing. Yeah. yeah. You want them to pull you, the salesperson through their buying cycle, instead of you having to carry the burden of forcing them through your sales cycle. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, because for me, you know, everything that I'm about with leadership development is if you're forcing something, something's off. Um, and that's, oh, I had this meeting a week and a half ago with uh, a politician and they were referred in and it was just the weirdest because I'm like, well, tell me what you seek to improve. You know, I'm just asking these questions, doing this first. Nothing. Everything's fine. Then why are we here? <laughs> you know, and saved me time, saved them time. I mean, I think at the end of the day, anybody that says, no, every part of my life is dialed in. There's other things going on. And I may not have been the right pathway or our company may not have been. And that's okay. But I'm not going to force anything. Forcing is gross. And right. You, and you don't need to force, Chris, as you know, if you can exactly. think of the right question to ask. So great situation. So why are we here? Great question. Um, 
And, you know, think, you know, think broadly about other questions that would make that buyer uncomfortable, right? So for how many years has life been perfect for you? Oh, that's good, man. Can you, you know, can you remember back to when it wasn't? And here's, here's another one. Um, What did you do that made it perfect? In other words, what did you do that would, that allowed you to take control over your life and predictably put you in a situation now where life is grand. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast, and you're slowing it down to be slow. You're exposing their weaknesses, right? You're exposing all the gaps and the bullshit that they're feeding to themselves. Yeah. Right? Now, I love, um, in a situation like this too, Chris, why are we here? He gives you a bullshit answer. Ask permission to give him the velvet two by four, mm-hmm. right? Ask him the ask him permission to pull out that brass knuckle question, right? May I? It sounds wonderful. May I push back? And they say yes, and you say great. Um, how much of the story you're telling yourself? How much of this is a story that you're telling yourself because you want it to be true? Yeah. Versus really is true. I, I've seen you do that, and something like that. I no, I love it, and it it actually makes me think of an office episode because you know I haven't had a lot of experiences where I've had anybody in bigger engagements, bigger rooms, or we're taking people through some transformational processes be confrontive or disruptive, but I have had some. And there was an office episode where Michael Scott keeps blocking the diversity trainers. Uh, job. And and it's so smooth because he goes, Michael, may I have your permission to lead this? You know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is a very, very effective approach and process. So, dude, somehow you did it again, took me deeper, more questions, and uh, more questions I can ask and sit in this process and let it unfold, inviting them into, not forcing them through, inviting them into their process of buying. It's going to go through a process of change rather than forcing or pushing them through a buyer's process. Right, right questions, right people, right time. Right. You're asking the right questions, the right, right people, the right questions at the right time. Plan on this ahead of time before your sessions. Make sure you're asking, you're, you have the right people in the meetings and make sure that you're covering the subject matter at the pace and at the timing that you want to cover it. Why? Because you know that as you do this, you are replicating the universal buying cycle. You're actually selling the way your customer buys, even though they're not telling you, right, how they want to buy. They want to be transactional or take control of the process. You're going to take control of the process and make sure that the ultimate goal for both parties, for all parties, is a successful buying decision. And if somebody ever pushes back on you and says, you know, why are you asking me these questions? You say, look, the, the objective here is our mutual growth, our mutual gain. It's, and the only way that I know how to do that is by working toward a successful buying decision. Mm. Now, what's, what the hell is wrong with setting up your personal brand and establishing your corporate brand under that paradigm. Mm. How can that be detrimental to your business, to you and your career? Mm. I like mutual growth and mutual gain better than win-win. Definitely. Just different language, but speaks so much, 
you know, so in such a deeper, more relational way, mutual growth, yeah. mutual gain. Yeah. Awesome. And it goes back, it goes back to our definition of servant leadership, right? Shared, we serve a shared goal and we lead down a shared path. Um, and your, your, uh, guide on your, <laughs> your, on your trek with your pregnant bride, right? You guys had the shared goal. He just, um, failed to effectively lead you down that effective path. <laughs> oh, show. Don't, don't trust a surveyor if you go hiking. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.